1: Welcome to a very special edition of Retire With Style. I'm here with my trusted companion, Wade Fowle, And you should have seen the pre-show as as we prepped for this. It was awesome. Adventures in podcasting, right? Wade, do you want to intro the the group that we have here?
2: Yeah, this is our take two. And you did not introduce yourself. I'm with (laughs) Alex Margia, But right, we're... We're doing a special episode this week about a joint research project with BlackRock. And this week we do have Rebecca Meskin and Kara Reisman from BlackRock as guests on the episode. And so we're excited to welcome you both to Retire With Style.
3: Thanks. Thanks for, for having us here. We're super excited. Um, I'll just start with a quick intro. Uh, Kara Reisman, uh, I lead commercial strategy for the retirement group at BlackRock, uh, which means I'm responsible for sales strategy, sales enablement, product messaging, product development. Um, and again, super excited to, to be here.
4: Thanks, Cara. Um, and I'm Rebecca Meskin. I am the COO for our U.S. retirement business. Um, and, you know, just to put that in, in context a little bit, our U.S. retirement business, which we, um, you know, formerly kind of or uh, uh think of as a U.S. defined contribution, um, serves over 80,000 plans in the U.S., reaching something in the ballpark of 40 million Americans. Um, We work closely with plan sponsors, with advisors, with record keepers, and other partners to enable more and more people to retire with dignity. We're really happy to be on the show and to talk about some of the research we did together.
1: No, that's great. Uh, Honestly, we're, we're we're thrilled. And, uh, wait, did you pick up on the phrase retire with dignity? I I, I think that's ultimately where, where we're all going to towards, we've worked with, you know, other institutions and, and this is a theme that really strikes, strikes a chord with me because I I think this is the way that we can really, from a, you know, common denominator perspective, really make an impact, you know, through our research, but, you know, to have a, a chassis like BlackRock, you know, behind something like this, we're just, Tickle pink, you know, around that. But Wade, you were saying something.
2: Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. And I just also want to emphasize that listeners aren't familiar with the terminology about DC or defined contribution pensions. This is the uh, the world of employer uh, retirement plans, so four hundred one k's and and the ilk along those lines. Specifically, Rebecca and Kara represent the defined contribution side of BlackRock. Okay, and so it's. No, that's a huge. It's where most Americans are keeping their retirement savings. So it's a really important topic for us to delve into further. And and so in that regard, Rebecca and Kara, one of the first questions we have for you is that well, everyone, I think at this point, listeners understand that BlackRock is one of the leading global asset managers. How exactly does BlackRock think about retirement and the challenges facing retirees today?
3: So, so maybe I'll start. Um, and I want to start first by sharing BlackRock's purpose, um, which is to help more and more people experience financial well-being. So helping millions of people retire with dignity, just to go back to that phrase, is really core to what we do. Um, you know, I, when we sort of worked on this research together, obviously, one of the first things that we're really talking about is just the challenges facing retirees today, Aging demographics, um, increased life expense expectancies, market volatility, inflationary pressures—you know, rising healthcare costs—and um, then, kind of, just to bring in sort of this DB or DC con- concept, you know. At the same time, and amid all these challenges, the responsibility to fund that longer retirement is moving to the individual. So really that shift from DB or defined benefit to DC, defined contribution. And today, you know, just to to pull an initial stat out there, about 15-ish percent of Fortune 500 companies offer a DB plan. Um, So DC plans, again, defined contribution, have Become the norm. Uh, assets today are about 10 trillion and are expected to grow to about 12 trillion um, in 2026. Really, just placing the onus for saving and managing spending um, in retirement on the individual. Um, you know, the DC industry has made significant strides uh, on helping individuals accumulate assets, but there are gaps um, just on the decumulation side or really solving for income in retirement. Um, You know, BlackRock every year puts out uh, a read on retirement survey, um, and this was our eighth year doing that, and we found that there were um, the top three things that workplace savers, so again, those individuals who are using that defined contribution plan, um, what they want to know those top three things are what their nest egg will be, how much they can spend each year in retirement, and how long their savings will last. The survey revealed that only 21% of workers are very confident they will have enough money to last um, through retirement. And and what's more is that, Millions of people don't even have access to that workplace uh, savings plan, so don't even necessarily have access to a, f- a defined contribution plan through their employer. Um, so we're really at, at a critical point in just figuring out how to help individuals address these challenges and really, again, kind of going back to part of what we're doing on a, on a daily basis in terms of helping more and more individuals retire with dignity. Uh- I, I think
1: that's great. Uh, it's, it's quite, some thoughts while you, while you were answering that that came to mind is you're right. I mean, there's really has been this transfer, right, from taking, you know, you know on a company balance sheet, taking those liabilities for retirement and pushing them to the consumers. And effectively, while there's benefits to that, there is a little bit of a vaya con Dios kind of aspect to it, right? And uh, I I I think I'm always fascinated by, you know, what what happens behind an institution because I you know there's always this thinking where the, their business is all about the PL. But in my engagement with with you folks, and frankly the whole team at, at BlackRock that we've been engaged with, you know, there's there's such a humanistic quality in terms of how you've professed, even though you've said this right now, in all our interactions, it's always been about getting the right solution for consumers. How do we do that? And, and I'm curious, you know, when, when you decide to sort of pick on your themes as a company, you know, how do those meetings look like it, Does it really start with the human first and you build it out from there? Or, or, or I don't know, or, or not? Or is it more institutional driven? It seems to me you're, you're really focused on the individual and there's this is bottom up improvement initiative all the time.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think I'll, I'll take a uh, first stab at that. I mean, I think as we think about that in regards to our business, the business that Kara and I work in to contribution, it sort of takes us to a lot of why we wanted to do this research with you all in the first place. Um, you know, I think there is an interesting, um, sort of tension between what individuals want, what their individual preferences are, and what's best for them in their unique circumstances, and what is most important in a DC construct, which is plans having products and solutions and approaches that can help the largest number of people, in many cases a population that's very heterogeneous. Um, And so what we really wanted to look at through this research and through your RISA framework um, was... How do we sort of bridge the gap um, between those individual preferences um, and solutions and plan preferences and what they should be, what employers, to your point, companies um, should be making available to their people. Um, and so I think it would be great to maybe spend a little bit of time if you guys would share sort of your how you came to creating the framework and what the framework sort of does. Um, sure. And I think it it then helps contextualize like some of what we found in, you know, some of what we built off of in the survey itself no, and I the, think the
1: research itself. I think that's a good point. I'll, I'll let Wade expand upon that, but you're right. I mean, you saw certain challenges within, you know, f- from your worldview, we saw certain challenges within our worldview of what we're seeing. And it's interesting how you know we came together to really you know see how this Resa framework could help you know with regards to this you know to the challenges you alluded to earlier but wade do you want to kick it off with some uh, findings
2: yeah um, absolutely so long time listeners of the podcast will be familiar with the RISA, but certainly Blackrock has a much larger reach than we do at this point so if you are a new listener let me give kind of the one minute introduction or two minutes to what the Resa is Uh, It's a framework. So my background coming at this from more the academic side of retirement income, really noting that there are a number of different retirement strategies offered from financial advisors and the consumer media and so forth. And there hasn't really been any sort of framework to help people choose a strategy. Many financial professionals argue that there's one approach that's really best for everyone And we really don't think that's the case. There are different options out there. And it's important to understand what people's preferences are so that they get aligned with an approach that they're comfortable with. And so to build that framework, we conducted a research project looking at how do people think about retirement income planning, skipping through all the statistical work, but the conclusions that we came to, there's these two primary factors for retirement income. There's the probability-based safety first factor. And this is just your preferences If you're probability-based, you're more comfortable relying on the idea that stocks will outperform bonds and so that with a diversified portfolio, you can benefit from market growth as a way to fund your retirement. If you're safety first, even if you believe in the idea that stocks should grow over time, you really are seeking more of a contractual protection behind the strategy to help support your core spending and retirement. So you're as an individual either more probability-based or safety first. And then the other factor is optionality versus commitment. If you're optionality oriented, you really value having as much flexibility as possible for your assets. If you have a commitment orientation, there's more the sense that if you can find something that will solve for your lifetime need, you actually would like to commit to that, to lock that in and to not have to worry about it with some nuance around. This will help you manage cognitive decline and so forth as well as you age. And so with these factors, you put them on a matrix, we, retirement income style awareness matrix, uh, there's going to be four quadrants based on the combinations of those preferences. If you're uh, probability based and optionality oriented, this is you're comfortable relying on the market and you want to keep your options open. So that's more of an investment orientation, I'll build a total return investing approach and I'll, I'll t- spend from that portfolio in retirement. Uh, In that conversation we had about defined contribution and defined benefit pensions, this is more of the angle that defined contribution has taken over the last 15, 20 plus years, uh, building diversified investment portfolios, whether through target date funds or elsewhere. But that's one of the styles. And you have opposite of that, if you're uh, safety first oriented, you want contractual protections and committing to a strategy, we call that income protection. And that's more what defined benefit pensions offered in the past. This idea of the employer took on the longevity risk and the market risk to provide a protected lifetime income <laughs> so that your basics were covered. And then beyond that, that's when you, you don't put all your monies into that protected income, but you have the diversified portfolio on top of that for more discretionary types of goals. Then the other two quadrants are more behavioral in nature. It's if you're safety first and optionality oriented, That's more of a bucketing or time segmentation approach where you just invest differently based on the time horizon. And if you're probability-based and commitment-oriented, this is more you're comfortable relying on the market, but you also want to commit to a strategy. There's also some sense you may be more worried about outliving your money and so forth. So though you want that market exposure, you also want to build guardrails behind that and have some sort of protections behind what you're doing so that you're not fully exposed to the market. And so that leads to four different retirement income styles, and it's a framework we've been working to establish, uh, looking at a national level with, with surveys, and then working with BlackRock to build a national study. And In this study, we had close to 2,000 individuals that were part of the research project, uh, individuals who do participate in defined contribution plans. And then just trying to get a better sense of what those individuals were looking for, how those preferences uh, were distributed in the population to get a better sense of what kind of conclusions could we make about defined contribution plan participants and and what they're looking for for retirement. So when they make that transition into retirement, what sort of style do they exhibit? And then alternatively, what sort of financial products or approaches or strategies uh, could, could define contribution plans potentially provide to help manage and, and meet the, the preferences of these individuals to the highest degree possible, given the constraints that often in defined contribution, you don't know a lot about the individuals. You know their age, and, but in many times you, you really you don't get to create the full financial plan. So how can you provide solutions that will resonate with the largest group of people and, and provide a, a solution that can help them as they think about that transition towards retirement.
1: No, Wade, thank you for shedding light on, on that with a you know, little sort of preamble on setting the stage. But yeah, no, I, I, I think it speaks to uh, really trying to find you know how people want to source retirement income and you know within the defined contribution space, really trying to develop a state of the art around that. Uh, that being the case, For Kara or Rebecca, what would you say attracted you to this framework, the RISA framework, and to working together on this research?
4: Yeah, so I think, um, you know, to Wade's point, um, you know, different respondents identified with different styles, with different preferences. um, But we definitely saw, which was consistent with prior studies that the team has done, we definitely saw a clustering in. A combination of uh, two styles known as total return and income protection. And when you sort of unpack that, we asked questions about in a DC construct, you know, would you adopt X and Y if it was available in your plan? And what we really found quite interesting was that an overwhelming majority, 84%, indicated that they would choose a retirement income solution that combined investments and insurance with an option to purchase a guaranteed income stream at retirement if it was available in their plan. And to the earlier point I made around this um, sort of the the bridge that um, DC has to do in finding how to marry individual preferences with what might be best for the overall population. You know, we found that Really interesting because I think it sort of pointed to solutions or approaches that can, um, you know, appeal to the largest majority of people in a, in a plan, um, which is, is really valuable in a DC construct. Um, something else that we found really interesting is Wade mentioned that the RISA framework and the research around the RISA framework is something that the team has been working on for some time and has tested in a variety of different surveys. Um, And what was really interesting was the um, distribution of results between this study and some of the prior studies were really consistent. And some of those prior studies were done in other market environments. They were done with DC participants, with um, you know, non-DC per- participants, you know, savers outside of the DC context, and done with sort of respondents of varied uh, financial knowledge. And so it really demonstrated to us the kind of instinctive nature of a lot of these preferences, um, and that they're not necessarily that influenced by some of the factors just mentioned, markets, uh, financial knowledge, those with a DC plan, without a DC plan. Um, and so it kind of further validated some of the points around finding solutions or approaches that could appeal to the, the largest majority of people and how important that is in a DC construct.
1: No, I, I think that's a fair point. And it speaks to the, it, it's interesting, right? Because it, it speaks to the validity and reliability of what we're ultimately trying to measure that can point to solutions. and. It's always a gold standard to, uh, at least in the, let's say in the psychology realm, when it comes to psychometrics, to try to identify things that are more trait-like than state-like, right? It, it, because if, you know, and for those listening, a state would be a state of happiness, anxiety, something like that. A trait would be introversion, extroversion, something that's more anchored in your personality type. Sure, environmental cues could affect it, but, you know, for the purposes of this podcast, let's just mm-hmm. assume you know, it's a pretty steady state. And the fact that you're saying that, you know, there were, there were independent studies from what Wade and I were doing, that you were finding things that rhyme with what we have that, than what we found, that's, that's, that's very encouraging. That, that, that to me, tells, tells me that you can identify preferences for how somebody wants to source retirement income. And, you know, in Newsflash, roughly two-thirds of people want something that's more contractually driven than just you know relying on the markets, if you will. And so yeah, as a as an investment manager, that does sort of open up the purview of potential solutions that you could bring to the table that can be a little more bespoke. You know, obviously there's a mass customization part of it, but you know it it really allows you to really flex the muscles for for identifying solutions that are a little more appropriate per style. So I I, I think that's great. Uh, you know the, the 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 same question is, you know we tend to live in academia. You know, you can make that argument, Wade and myself. And so one of the things we really want to do with the research is practical application, practical application. That really is what we're about where we're at the stage in our career that we want to see that more than anything. And so, okay, the research is done. you know, we cannot pat ourselves on the back, but how, how do you how have you been able to utilize this research? What are some conversations that you may be having? with clients today in terms of an aha moment or not.
0: The Retirement Researcher Retirement Income Challenge has started up and we had a great first day yesterday. But if you missed your chance to take part, don't worry. You can join our Retirement Income Challenge waitlist so you don't miss out next time. And make sure that you're able to join Wade, Alex, and I. To sign up for the waitlist, head over to resoprofile.com slash podcast. That's resoprofile.com/podcast. See you in the challenge next time, at least.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, it's incumbent upon us to stay in front of our clients, um, to just really make sure that we're helping them help sort of their participants and those individuals address the challenges that that we've been talking about. Um, you know, in the U.S., we know that ret- that savers want income in retirement, and employers want to provide it. Um, just to go back to that read on retirement survey, I referenced another stat was um, almost all, I think, it was ninety eight percent of employers feel responsible for helping their savers on this decision, but most don't feel um, highly confident that the plan can. So given that people want it, employers, you know, want to provide it, I think the industry is really rallying sort of together um, and really aligned to sort of figure out how we can innovate to deliver that more predictability of income and retirement. Um, and so as we saw in the study, and as we've referenced, like, you know, just Uh, in terms of the findings and and sort of how this relates to kind of the DC construct, investments and insurance together is is a powerful combination. You know, BlackRock is developing a solution and um, one that's resonating with clients that embeds guaranteed income within a target date solution. Um, You know, a target date, which is something that participants use today. uh, We know they understand. So it's really about meeting participants where they are. Um, And I think, you know, as the research has really indicated, there is this opportunity for DC plan fiduciaries to offer solutions that kind of meet the retirement spending preferences of the greatest number of people Um, and in a form where, again, kind of, you know, uh, participants understand it, are familiar. Um, and so that's sort of what we're thinking about kind of from a BlackRock perspective. Um, but again, there's there's other, you know, um, other uh, innovations coming out. Um, and again, it's just really encouraging, I think, that you're seeing the industry really rally behind this um, to align on, on new ways that we can help um, individuals address this chal- the challenges that we've been talking about.
2: And I'll just add too that that's something that really attracted us to work with BlackRock on this was that solution that you are developing that provides that sort of optionality. And and like you mentioned the 84% statistic that uh, 84% of the respondents said they would appreciate having something focusing on investments, but that provides an option to provide a, a protected lifetime income stream. Just having that, it's like an option to commit. So then further in the the research paper we published with you, it was 60% of that 84% actually thought they might take the lifetime income. But still, that's the other 40% who really valued having an option to create a protected lifetime income. And so that really does look like a favorable step forward in terms of being able to offer flexibility for individuals to go with their style, to, to go with different approaches based Wait. on their preferences. If it is more
1: Wade, you're 100% correct. No, no, I, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <continue. laughs>
2: yeah, more of a market-oriented or, or a contractual-oriented <laughs> approach. And so, yeah, leading into the, the question then. <laughs> so really, uh, BlackRock is an asset manager, but there is a recognition that really retirement is more than just an investments problem. And if, if you could just comment a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, I mean I I do want to just for one more second on the investments piece, you know Um, Obviously, at BlackRock, we have, you know, um, a life cycle investment process that we run here. Um, And, you know, target dates have become sort of the primary investment vehicle within sort of that DC plan contract. It's it's really the simplest way to get the age based asset allocation strategy. Um, There has been, you know, a a ton of investment and evolution um, to deliver sort of those optimal retirement outcomes. Um, We've been evolving our target date strategy. Uh, We actually just celebrated our 30 year anniversary um, as a pioneer of target date investing. Thank you. Um, can't take all the credit, certainly, <laughs> as I, I, I was not here at that time. Um, and yeah, I won't speak more than that. <laughs> but, at that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we pioneered target date investing in 1993 and we've continued to deliver and sorry, continue to evolve that to deliver sort of those retirement outcomes. Um, and just going back to that retirement confidence piece, I think, you know, if we can kind of figure out how to bring that guarantee guaranteed income into the chassis uh, that you know, individuals are really familiar with, I think we can really sort of get to that place of improving kind of that retirement confidence. But as you said, Wade, this, there's no silver bullet. It's certainly not just about investments. Um, there are other things uh, that I think you know, we as an industry are all focused on doing. And I think maybe, Rebecca, you want to talk a little bit more about some other research that we did and just some other thing, some other
4: conversations we're, we're having with clients. Yeah, sure. Happy to. Um, so earlier this year, we worked on an interesting piece of research with the Bipartisan Policy Center um, on the topic of optimizing retirement income. So, Closely sort of connected with the research we did with RISA, but um, less from the perspective of preferences and behavioral, um, the what do you, would you want and more from uh, how do you actually achieve that? Um, and what the research looked at was an average American 65 year old um, and the effects that different levers they could pull um would have on their kind of picture in retirement. So the first case study looked at the role of adding guaranteed income and then adjusting asset allocation accordingly. And what it showed was that by making these, you know, one and a half, let's call it, changes, um, it resulted in nearly 30% more annual spending power um, while reducing downside risk by over 30% at the same time. We also looked at a, another case study that um, evaluated sort of another lever that you could pull, which is the delaying um, the claiming of Social Security. And I would just say, you know, we fully recognize not everybody can afford to wait to claim Social Security. Um, but for those that can, it's, a, it's really sort of a trifecta uh, strategy. So it increases the savings horizon it decreases the spending period and it increases ultimately the dollar amount of the benefit. Um, And so it can be a really powerful tool to sort of change that picture. Um, But to Kara's point, I think beyond sort of the um, investments piece, there is also kind of the role that engagement, education, spending guidance um, plays in reorienting participants from savings to a paycheck in retirement. And I think when you kind of put these two pieces together, it can really dramatically change a saver's ability to be prepared and identify the right solutions to best meet their individual circumstances, the right solutions, the right levers to pull. And kind of when you put all that together, I think it's really powerful. Um, I don't know, waiter Alex, maybe do you want to share a little bit about um, some of what we saw in the survey around... Uh, engagement in education and sort of the role or not even from the survey, you know, more generally sure. what, what you found in your experience um, that can
2: do. Wait. Yeah, I mean, that was another part of the, the research study we did was looking at the role of professional guidance. And for the defined contribution plan participants, 68% uh, said they wanted to have uh, guidance on to go about retirement spending. And so that creates an an opportunity for plan sponsors. If they can provide that guidance, they're going to have more satisfied plan participants. And uh, so I I think that's just when we think beyond just the, the research study itself, but the opportunities to provide education around retirement income, to be clear that there are different options that are all viable approaches, just helping people find the solution that's right for them can go a long way towards that. Another statistic that was in the the research study was about the, if you were thinking about how is my allocation going to look between stocks, bonds, uh, lifetime income protections. Consistent with other research as well, we we found 36% allocation, like the average allocation to lifetime income was 36%. So it shows that there is demand for going beyond only investments option in the defined contribution world, and, and so I, I think that is consistent with other studies that you often see that sort of metric as well.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I just listening to both of your answers and, and then Wade. Now, I'm always struck by you have BlackRock, a, a, a you know, a, a, the investment manager of investment managers, if you will, and you're trying to figure out retirement income solutions for folks and you're even recognizing this requires more than just straight up investment management. And we need to just amplify, you know, what we can do for our consumers to bring them to, to, to a dignified retirement. I I just, I, I, I want our listeners to sort of recognize that because I I think it's important that again, an investment manager is recognizing, hang on, let, let me take a step back. It's not just about, you know, continuing to, you know, you can have anything you want as long as it's an investment management solution. It's really how can we really address everyone's needs here? And I, I just find that like a, a tip of the hat, you know, f- from my vantage point, based on what 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 we have going on and what we've seen from others, because it, it, it's one of these reoccurring themes that uh, it gives me hope, you know, to really you know figure out solutions because not everyone can afford, you know, uh, an investment advisor, and so hence the importance of having educational pieces. Inside of defined contribution plans and the like, it's just uh, you know extremely impactful. Uh, you know, I question think it's that. really,
3: yeah. Alex.
4: Just to maybe spend one second on that. I think it's, yeah. I think it's, um, I think all of our our sort of collective role is really important here. I think the research that you and we do in sort of getting out and into the advisor community and as well as kind of the, the broader consumer community is really important too and kind of raising that awareness. So education is important. Products are important. Mind, mindset shifts are really important. And that, that's gonna come from, I think all of these efforts together. Um, and I think the more practical research that is out there to support um, that mindset shift, I think, the more progress we'll see as a collective industry.
1: Uh, no, I, yeah, I, 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 I agree. Kara?
3: You know, I was just going to say, I, would, I totally agree. I mean, I just think we're at such a critical inflection point. And, you know, I am really encouraged by a lot of the innovation that we're seeing. Um, and I'm encouraged about sort of, again, the desire for greater education. And there are a lot of resources available, and there are a growing amount of resources available. And it's really, how do we bring that Um, education to more and more people so that individuals feel equipped to address this and to have know what the options are available to them so that plan sponsors know what the options are available to advisors, know what the options are available for for their clients. Um, So I think the more that we can all do together, I I like your point around making it practical. I I think, um, you know, that's sort of the best place that we can be.
1: No, it, it has to be practical because the reality is not everyone as much as we like to think in this sort of utopian manner, but not everyone will practically be able to hire an advisor. So, what what solutions can be brought to the table? What what education can be brought to plant participants to make sure that we can expand, you know, the, the services that are available to people in, in a manner that's uh, you know. In, in, impactful to them. So I I can see that, you know, from this. But what do you hope will be the practical impact from this investigation?
3: I mean, I think just sort of, again, raising awareness that um, getting getting more awareness and getting additional education on sort of what are the options available? Um, You know, we obviously have an abundant amount of resources, whether it be through the individuals who work with our clients, whether it be through sort of our our website, um, obviously, through sort of the the investment vehicle that we're um, developing or the investment solution that we're developing. But I'd say just to start by, you know, being um, more aware that there are options out there. And, you know, it's, it's important to think about what is the right option for, for you as an
4: individual. And having the conversations, right? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you all are out there at, at conferences, through these podcasts, just sort of the general, um, just building more awareness and talking about it more, um, I think is going to help us as an industry make really important steps forward, mm-hmm. Um and I agree with Kara completely about the sort of inflection point. There's been a lot of really good progress on the saving side. And I think there's a, a lot more that um, we'll be able to do over the coming decades around the spending side and uh, uh, making no, people I, more prepared to address the spending side.
1: No, I, I think that's great. My, 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 my single parting thought would be effectively we have a fair number of consumers and a fair number of advisors so I listen to this podcast so for consumers individuals i would say if you're you know you're part of a you're part of a dc plan and the only option you have are a couple of mutual funds to pick from or some model portfolios to pick from now you know there's 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 things out there that can specifically be start to address retirement income you know as you retire and for professionals the same thing if if all you're offering are model portfolios that are investment only driven well you know it's it's time to just review the landscape and see what potentially is available to really provide retirement income solutions for for your, for the underlying participants and uh, you know the other thing I would say you know as you do further research and there's and you want to sort of bring it out there consider us as a home to be able to, to spread that message where we're, we're all about innovation and, you know, especially with regards to better solutions for participants, let us know and more than happy to discuss that.
4: That's Wait. great. Thank you guys. yeah, oh, yeah of course. We really, we loved being on the, on the show. Um, so thanks for having us. Yes. Many thanks.
2: No, no, of course. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for that, you know, that willingness to be flexible in terms of there are different approaches to retirement and I'm always satisfied to see that message being used to bring these types of solutions and like alex was saying if, if your defined contribution plan right now doesn't have anything other than investment fund options that may change in the future because there's a big push towards this innovation and mm-hmm. thank you so much for being part of that and being guests on our show this week thank you uh, that.
1: Every-
4: thanks everyone
1: All righty, everyone. Thank you. And catch us next week on Retire With Style. And since Wade said I didn't say it, I'll say it now. I'm Alex (laughs) Murguia. All
0: right. Wade and Alex are both principals of McLean Asset Management and Retirement Researcher. Both are SEC-registered investment advisors located in Tysons, Virginia. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational and educational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific securities. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor. All investing comes with a risk, including risk of loss. Past performance does not guarantee future results.